Everybody ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. This show has explicit language and probably has mature themes. John, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Thanks, John. Oh, hey there. Welcome to Dexplanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. I looked something up on YouTube, watched some Wikipedia about it, <laughs> and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Gerondale. What's going on, birthday boy? Uh, my birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. Also, thank you for agreeing to record on your birthday. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, that's what we do Thursdays. Yeah. It would feel weird if we didn't. Right? Like two weeks ago. Like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> the longest duels um yeah oh yeah what are we gonna learn about on my birthday <laughs> we're gonna be learning about some of the largest organisms the largest organisms okay yeah, like, like largest, macro uh what are the macro fauna or megafauna? megafauna that's what they're called megafauna largest extant organisms okay yeah so ones that haven't gone extinct and we'll start with the african bush elephant the african bush elephant so that's like what we all probably just know as as the African elephant. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. It's it's closely related to the African forest elephant, but it's not the forest elephant. They okay. Have, they have these a, are the ones we see like out in the savanna and in, mm. in like David Attenborough stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. They're um, the biggest elephant, if I'm not mistaken. They are. Okay. They're the largest terrestrial animal. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They uh. They can be up to 13 feet tall. Oh boy. Yeah. That's fucking insane wow yeah yeah, yeah. for something that walks on four legs feet. and it's not like a giraffe where it's like really trying hard to get to that yeah. height it's bulky bulky yeah um so and uh they can have up to 11 foot long tusks 11 feet long yeah their how tusks much must be... that weigh seriously their neck muscles gotta be just well, like yeah Ooh. their skull is so big it makes up about 25 percent of their entire body weight Oh my goodness! Yeah, so they have giant. The giant skull alone, heads. including the tusks, or like the meat yeah, I in think it including too, including the tusks. Wow, probably meat, but I'm not sure. That's either way. Yeah, that's either intense. way, it's fucking intense. Um, they can eat up to 500 pounds of plant matter a day. 500 pounds. Yeah, they don't digest it fully, and so uh, they really contribute to spreading seeds that way. Oh, okay, and, and like, I know like because dung they, beetles love that stuff. Yeah, and they travel like far and wide. Okay. Um, they can drink over fifty gallons of water a day. Yeah, Man, 50, like, fifty gallons. gallons. Imagine like a five-gallon tank, like the water cooler in an office. Mm. That's five gallons. They drink. They can ten drink ten times that in one day. Yeah. Uh, wow. Their trunks have forty thousand muscles and tendons. That. Uh, I imagine allows for an enormous amount of fine articulation. Like yeah, they yeah. must have really fine motor control to and, have that many separate mm, muscles. They can lift heavy objects with them. They breathe through it, and they like regularly squirt water on their backs. Yeah, in I've order seen them. I've cool seen down. them even drink like that. Like yeah, just yeah. like suck the water up with their <laughs> with their like trunk a... and then squirt it into their mouth. And I'm like, yeah, you're even a little bit lazy, huh? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Um, and they also throw dirt on their backs in order oh, yeah. to like shield that. from the sun. Exactly, and it's, it's like also, sunscreen, and it's also good for bugs too. Oh, uh, for okay. like stopping bugs. Yeah, that kind of makes them. sense. You're providing like a small uh, layer of protection. For instance, mm -hmm. like I've heard, like lice actually prefer a clean scalp to like a dirtier scalp. Oh, right? interesting. Lice prefer good hygiene. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense from like an elephant standpoint, to, like They're just like create an extra barrier of dirt between your skin and like parasites. Yeah. Um, when they, the mating season, 
for bush elephants is pretty much whenever a female wants to. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Okay. She's just like, I want to have some sex. And then she starts letting out this low-frequency infrasound call. And uh, it can be heard from a kilometer away. Hmm. And males start hearing it and start heading that way, gearing for a fight. And they have, yeah, they just like, wherever they are, they just start. They just start getting angry and horny and (laughs) testosterone-y. Yeah, actually, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, They have pretty serious fights and they can injure each other and break tusks and shit. Yeah, I'm, uh, oh yeah, I imagine those things are not just for show. No, the female signals signals the winner by rubbing her body on his. Oh. And she's uh, like, all right, let's do it. it's hard to... Uh, misunderstand yeah. that i guess yeah, from an elephant uh, perspective females and adolescents live in herds but adult males usually live alone and uh when that type of thing happens it's kind of like it's called a must a must yeah like yeah, yeah i've heard that it's, they go into must it's kind of like a rut for like deer and other herbivores but they become extremely aggressive and start to fuck with. Uh, they start fucking with non-aggressive megafauna like giraffes and rhinos. That's right. I've heard they just and get like, really ornery. Yeah. Well, they ha- They start having like 60, 70 times more testosterone. Oh man, yeah. they can't help it. Like mm. it's basically like somebody has been giving them anabolic steroids. Yeah. Like they're just roided out. And these glands in their face start to swell up and release a tar-like substance that leaks down into their mouth. And that contributes even more to their behavioral change. You gross. And that, that like swelling like presses so hard on their eyes that it's kind of like been described as like having a huge indent like terrible cavity oh, in your eyes. Oh man. So and it's so actually like really unpleasant. Really painful too, yeah. God. So they're like I had no idea. Yeah. Um but yeah. Geez, now I kinda feel really bad for them. <laughs> right? Imagine if every time you got like a little bit, uh, a little bit in the mood. You just like suffer an intensely painful headache. Yeah. I think I'd probably become an insufferable asshole too. I mean, become yeah, a, yeah. a more insufferable asshole. <laughs> I can't say that on your. Can't talk about that on your birthday. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, the uh, the bush elephants can give birth every five years. And they have a 22 month gestation period. Ooh, so, boy. Yeah, and then care- it takes it takes their it takes their body that long to kind of recover and get ready for another yeah, one for like five because years. So it's like 22 months is just short of two years, mm. and then they need like three years for their body to recover and be like, hey, yeah. I think we're ready to do this again. Mm. You're in heat now. Yeah, seriously. Wow. So uh, babies they can walk immediately, immediately after being born. And they weigh around 250 pounds. Ooh, boy, no wonder it takes almost two years. <laughs> Seriously. That's a lot of it's meat a big to make. Baby. That's and, a big uh, bun to bake. Yep. Days later, they can follow the herd. And they have uh, no predators other than humans. So, like, nothing really fucks with, okay. with the African bush elephants. But their population is still declining to poaching, the ivory trade, and habitat loss. So, in the 80s alone, the population was halved. Because of so many so many poachers and the ivory trade and stuff, um, but it's not decreasing as fast as in the eighties anymore. But it's still a thing because people still do black market ivory and even eat elephant meat and shit. That second one, yeah. I, I guess I wasn't even not even aware of. But the the first one, from what I understand, even though like most Westerners' appetite for real ivory has has gone out of fashion, like most people when they try to acquire ivory these days, it's already processed. Yeah. Um. But from what I understand, um, China 
has an inordinate demand for ivory these days, and that is part a I've, big part. I've of heard what, that they just that they recently made it illegal. Did they really in yeah, China? I think to so. purchase that's that's actually a big step. Yeah, that's a big step forward. I'm not honestly. sure on that, but because I think so. If it just becomes less profitable for people, these poachers, yeah. they're not evil people. They're actually like people living on the edge of like poverty or actually well below the poverty line in most cases mm. who are trying to make ends meet and they found something that can do that and most of them don't believe what they're doing is having a substantial impact because they're not educated enough to know the the larger yeah. harm of what they're capable of doing and so it's on us to get rid of the market yeah for that sort of stuff true um so it's estimated that there is around three hundred thousand of them and they can live up to 70 years in the wild, but only live around 65 in ca- captivity. Oh, interesting. So, like, w- what I always kind of think of when I hear um, wild versus captive lifespans is is it has to do with, like, how well we understand the animal. If yeah. its captive lifespan is shorter than its wild lifespan, that really kind of shows that we have a, a, a dramatic lack of knowledge of the animal's needs. Well, and they travel um, so far regularly. That... And probably that is a part of it. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if most captive elephants suffer from some sort of, um, like, lifestyle yeah, disease or disorder. Depression. Yeah, depression. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they have, like, elevated levels of all sorts of negative um, cardiovascular indicators, right? Mm-hmm. Just because they're, they're meant to walk around a lot. It's kind of like us, like, right, you know, not doctors yeah. these days want you to get your 10,000 steps. Elephants should probably be getting way, way more than that. They're yeah. meant to walk around. Yep. And if they're not doing that, their hearts are probably just kind of, you know, getting they have, soft. They have four knees. That's what I've heard, that yeah. they have knees kind of similar to human knees in yep. a way. And four of them. Uh, but yeah, that's about all I have on African bush elephants, the largest terrestrial animal. You want to talk about blue whales? Yeah. Yeah. The, the largest animal that's ever lived, right? Ever. Ever that Ever. we know of, yet larger than any any, any dinosaur, known, yeah, anything, any known dinosaur yeah. or anything. They can be up to ninety eight feet in length. <sighs> yeah, um, they were they were abundant in almost all the Earth's oceans until the early twentieth century, till whalers almost hunted them to extinction. I did not realize yeah. that they were. I I they mean I knew that whaling was a problem, everywhere. but I didn't know that it had targeted blue whales so specifically. Either. Yeah. Um, they started to be protected by the international community in 1966, and the International Union for Conservation of Nature estimates that there are between 15 and 25,000 blue whales on the planet. Oh, but man, before whaling, yeah. But also megafauna usually have lower numbers of population yeah. than, say, rats. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's still yeah. really low. Before whaling, there were probably around 250,000 in the Antarctic Ocean alone. So in one ocean, there was 10 times the amount that there is today, which shows like the environment can support these ecosystems can support a lot more than what exists. Their scientific name is uh, Balaenoptera musculus. And uh, they were named by Carl Linnaeus. Okay, he came up with this whole system. The Linnaean um, binomial nomenclature, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, the specific name, musculus, in Latin, can either mean muscle or little mouse. Yep. And uh, Carl Linnaeus probably knew that and uh, was kind of just having fun. Uh, their tongue can weigh as much as an elephant. Ooh, around oh, 2.7 tons. So we just talked about the, the largest, largest terrestrial animal, animal. Uh, uh, that it yeah. still exists on Earth today. 
and now we moved on to an animal whose tongue alone weighs as much as that <laughs> animal's entire body. Like an A. Oh boy. Their heart can their heart uh, can weigh about four hundred pounds and be the size of a small car. Yeah, I've heard that their major arteries uh, would be like a human could swim through them. Yeah. Basically, like they're it's, as big as like tunnel systems in some places. Yeah, uh, they have the longest penis of any animal. That. Rightly so. Yeah. If if they didn't, we would all feel a little bit bad for them, wouldn't we? Yeah. I mean, they would be like feel, disproportionately, yeah. but, like poorly endowed. But they're eight. They they're eight to ten feet long. All right, that's a lot bigger <laughs> than me. Lot, yeah. That's a lot bigger than like, like unless you're Andre the Giant. A yeah. whale penis is bigger than you. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Even if you're Andre the Giant, some of them are got you. Some, some of them, them got, still you. got you. Oh, they man. look gross. They look gross. Because that's average, I imagine. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. some of them are gonna be. You're like, whoa, yeah. that whale's hung like a horse for a whale. <laughs> so uh, their gestation period is between ten to twelve months. Oh my goodness! How do they do that? They make. They yeah. make a. Elephants, are you slacking? Yeah, like, what, what is going fuck? on? I wonder if gravity and buoyancy has something to do Maybe. with making it a little bit easier. Maybe. The calf is born weighing 2.5 tons and is almost 23 feet long. Oh, my God. So, way bigger, <laughs> way, way longer than a car, but about, like, the size of, like, a truck Yeah. in terms of weight. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the first seven months when they're weaning... They can drink, or when they're, uh, yeah, weaning. Still nursing, or Still before nursing. they've weaned. Yeah, before they've weaned, thank you. They can drink 100 gallons of milk a day. Oh, <laughs> that means their mom can produce a 100 too. gallons, yeah. 100 gallons, gallons of, of milk. milk. All right, crazy idea. Let's stop milking Holstein cows. <laughs> yeah. Let's get a couple of blue <laughs> whales and just like get rid of the entire the entire need for all of these Holstein cows. Seriously. I feel like five blue whales and we could maybe like have the entire world's consumption of milk taken care of. That'd be nice. I bet it's really fatty too. Yeah. To like make those babies grow as Seriously. fast as they do. So yeah, after they're weaned, they're about twice the length. Oh man! So, so like, they've doubled in length from twenty four to like almost fifty yeah. fifty feet in six months. That is incredible. Seriously, talk about growing pains. No shit. Uh, they can eat forty million krill a day, or about seven thousand nine hundred pounds of them. Jeez, yeah. some of these numbers are just getting to the point Seriously, where it's beyond it's like it's ridiculous. beyond imagining. Yeah. Uh, so what they do is they lunge at the krill. <laughs> they and lunge at them. That's, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's funny. Uh, yeah. And, think uh, about. and uh, their tongue shoves water past their little plates in their mouth. The baleen, the okay. baleen plates, and uh, after they after they skirt all the water out, then they then they swallow. Okay. Because the krill can't get past the plates, but the water. But the does. water can. Okay. Uh huh. So they're so they basically just get a bunch of like gunk krill like stuck in their teeth, and then like suck them out of it. Yeah. With an average diet of 2,000 calories, it would take two years to eat as much as a blue whale in a single day. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I think I would get sick of krill in that yeah. amount of time. Just, like, uh, just some more numbers. Their lung capacity is around 1,300 gallons. 1,300-gallon lung capacity. These numbers are getting hard to even think ridiculous. about. Like, think yeah. of comparisons for uh, thirteen. Hundred gallons. So one, yeah. so uh, one thousand three hundred gallons. Like, what do you even compare that to? I don't know. That seems like the the ballast for some large boats. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they have to carry a big bunch of water to keep them the right amount of buoyancy. Yeah. That seems like the ballast for some large boats. 
Jeez, um, what do they do with all that salt? Did you ever find out? Oh, well, they just shove the water through. They they just like use their tongue to pressure the water past the past the their plates, and then they just like expel it. Okay, so, so they, they don't necessarily they, so they don't they, drink all that yeah, water. Yeah, they don't drink okay, all that water. Okay, okay, but they must have drink water, and I don't know what they do with the salt, so I don't know. Um, they're really difficult to weigh because of their size, and when they have been weighed, they've been cut into two foot blocks and weighed in parts. Gruesome. That's fucking gruesome. Gross. Okay. And so yeah, they, they science has been very crude and cruel yeah, in the past. They uh, lose a bunch of blood and fluids, and that's estimated to be about six percent of the total weight. Oh, so you have to do some yeah. pretty rough math after yeah. the fact because you, yeah, their guts fell out. Yep. Um, the average weight of the longest scientifically verified specimen was 98 feet and would be calculated to be 176 tons. 176 tons. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean at that point you're depending on about... the depending on the fat condition. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Like how much fat it would have. They're estimated to live 80 years, but individuals weren't like test they weren't testing individual whales during the whaling era. So the longest time uh, in a single individual blue whale has been studied is 34 years. And so it'll actually be quite a long time before we know actually how long they can live. Right. I imagine we'll be surprised. With most yeah. things like this, uh, science tends to like to make conservative estimates because it's always better to be wrong in the conservative direction from a scientific yeah. point of view than wrong by like over like uh, exceeding the bounds of the evidence mm. and so i imagine we'll find out that they qu live quite a bit longer than that yeah it's pretty damn cool their only natural predator is the orca and they think that the orca just likes to fuck with them um but it'll go after their young their calves yeah their calves or just like even adults like as many as 25 percent of blue whales have scarring from orcas oh and wow. the mortality from such attacks isn't known oh so like yeah people don't even know really Wow, I wonder what the purpose of those I think attacks is. Orcas just like to be assholes. Yeah, it kind of like, really does seem like it. I yeah, mean, like they've been seen attacking blue whales, and it seems like the the blue whales have mostly gotten away. Okay, um, I imagine one quick swipe from that tail could hurt yeah, you. Yeah, but that's pretty much all I got on blue whales. You want to move on to Oregon's monster mushroom? Oh yes, I do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's a uh, scientific name is the Armillar. Armillaria ostoye, or it's called, also called the honey mushroom. The honey mushroom. Yeah, okay. it's in the Malhauer National Forest. In oh, the, I think it's pronounced Malhir. Malhir, yeah, thank that's you. Where, um, that's where that's those individuals... The ranchers from yeah, Nevada. from Nevada the took Bundys over. Yeah, exactly. Held up that wildlife refuge Yeah, it became famous after that. Yeah. Um, but... So what happened is in 1998, this woman named Catherine Parks, she's a scientist at the Pacific Northwest Research Station in La Grande, Oregon. She heard about a tree die-off, and she started looking at aerial samples of the forest. So like uh, photographs mm -hmm. taken from an airplane? Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, so she went down and collected root samples from 112 dying trees, and uh, 61 of them had the same unique organism in them. Okay, like a mycorrhizal yeah. fungus, like a fungus that can penetrate the root structure. Yeah, yeah, because it's a parasitic, it's a tree-killing parasitic fungus. Oh, wow, a lot of funguses, like, in fact, almost all, my, most mycorrhizal funguses are, like, really, um, 
Oh, what is it called? They have a mutualist relationship yeah, with yeah. the plants. That's unfortunate they, to find out that one of the largest <laughs> mush or fungus in Oregon is actually parasitic. Yeah, exactly. It was really disappointing. Uh, and uh, it makes you kind of want to kill it a little bit. It I does. Know that's awful. It does. But like parasites bug me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Um, it really fucks with Douglas firs and other true firs, and uh, it, so it sucks out uh, water and other nutrients from the roots themselves. Yep. And it's okay. more likely to kill young conifers. Like, older than 10-year-old conifers have a much better chance of surviving. Okay, they're just more resilient. Yeah. And uh, it lives underground. Like, an average depth is about three feet. And it spreads with shoestring-like growths to other trees called rhizomorphs. And the only time you can actually see it is occasionally in the fall. It'll rain, and it'll send out send out uh actual mushrooms okay yeah above ground which are the fruiting and, body of a, yeah. of a fungus yeah and they're uh golden in color and they're sometimes near the bases of the trees oh okay um, that makes sense but yeah so it's spread their spread estimates to be like around 3.4 square miles across oh my goodness yeah. i thought you were gonna say acres at first 3.4 square miles. Yeah. That's a pretty big... Pretty damn big. Yeah. Because, the... like, uh, as soon as you square something, like, it's tech, it's it's tempting to think of it in just, like, a mile in each direction. Yeah. But, like, it, that's an enormous amount of land. Exactly. And uh, scientists haven't been able to... Haven't even begun to estimate the weight of it. Because yeah, how like could how, you? It's, how it's how a you? bunch of strands. It's, like, yeah. a mat of interwoven, like, threads. Yeah, they look cool. The, the little rhizomorphs look cool. Um, it's believed to be around 1900 to 8,650 years old. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And the dragon. Holy cow. So it is, it is like almost as old as the history of civilization. Yeah. uh, uh, Human civilization on earth. All right. I take back what I said about maybe killing it. It's a parasite and that's rough, but like anything that venerable it just would seem like a tragedy to end its life when it's survived this long Mm. and uh they think that the dry climate mitigates other fungus competition and that might be responsible for its expansive spread wow okay it's just perfectly adapted for that area Uh uh-huh and uh like you were saying earlier they're kind of important to the forest ecosystem because they cause gaps in the forest canopy and the gaps can be filled by young conifers that will then be killed <laughs> or bur- it's basically or almost like plants. it's like farming them in a yeah, weird way it's like creating kind of the is. conditions for new young conifers it's prey yeah. to 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 thrive and thus Tur- totally. may, i wondered kind of how it had a sustainable like how it could sustain itself yeah. for such a long time being a parasite like that but the best parasites always try to keep their hosts well enough yeah. to continue to suck off of them <laughs> And uh, but at the same time, like it does need to be controlled because it just kills trees. Right. So like, like I'm sure a, we can keep it at that size without endangering its life. Yeah, it's, it has to be put on a scale. Like uh, what's more important at what time? Oh yeah, yeah. Eventually, if it endangers an entire ecosystem, I'm sorry, it, it's got to go, or at least a big chunk of it's got to go. Mm. Like, and, and the nice thing about something as decentralized as that is, you could kill two thirds of it, and it, you could still say that it was alive. Like the remaining yeah. one third is still. A whole living organism. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have about Oregon's humongous fungus. <laughs> the humongous fungus. Humongous the fungus, fungus among us. The fungus humongous among us. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we're in Oregon. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you want to talk about Pando? 
Pando, yeah, 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 exactly. The that's the that's the, the uh, qua- giant quaking aspen, quaking aspen, yeah, in uh, Fish Lake National Forest. Cool. So we're talking about we just talked about the largest fungus, which is in the state that we're currently in, and now mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the largest plant organism, which comes from your home state. Yeah, actually, I grew up 15 minutes away from it. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, Fish Lake is just up the mountain from Kishara. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, I have a uh, I have pictures of like when we went to get family pictures. I have family pictures taken in Pando. Oh my goodness, that's up, cool. I would love to Instagram. go there. An entire forest that's just a yeah. single and if organism. If you're on Fish Lake during the fall, like the the western mountainside uh, is like pretty steep, and that whole mountainside is Pando. And during the fall, all of the during the fall, they all the leaves change at the same, same exact time. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, it looks so fucking pretty. It's awesome. And uh, they're called Quake and Aspen because they make a really shaky noise whenever wind even slightly hits the leaf. Okay, they just like really, the leaves brush against each other in such a dry kind of, yeah. Yeah, it sounds really cool too. I I love the sound of uh, wind through leaves. Me too. So it's a clonal colony of a single male Quake and Aspen. And it has one massive underground root system. So it's the heaviest known organism at over 13 million pounds. Oh, I talked about getting to numbers that were beyond the scale of yeah. human imagination before. 13 wow. million pounds is so far beyond what I... I What do you come up with as a comparison? I have You're no like, idea. This is compared to a mountain. Pando. <laughs> <laughs> Pando is exactly yeah. the same weight as Pando. <laughs> the only other yeah. thing I can think to compare this to. It's uh, spread out over 106 acres. And ho- has over forty thousand individual tree lo- tree trunks. Wow, forty thousand individual trees yeah. make up this organism. Oh, um, wow. okay. Each individual trunk has an average age of one hundred thirty years, from reading the tree rings. And so, when one trunk dies, that's where a shoot will, a uh, new shoot will come. A lot of the time, and new shoots do happen other way, other places too. And and so these shoots, they they pop up if I'm not mistaken. By the the roots move under the ground, mm. and then eventually some I, I imagine like some chemical signals tell it like, hey, the roots have spread out far enough from the rest of Pando. Make a new tree. We yeah. need more chlorophyll here. We need the other things that trees do. Something here. like that. Yeah. And that that's just so cool. It makes it much like a fungus. Yeah. In the way yeah. like funguses usually spread that way. Mm-hmm. Not so much plants. It's uh, estimated to be at least eighty thousand years old. Oh my goodness! That look that makes that makes the humongous fungus look like a baby. Seriously, that's why I like Pando so much. It's just like it. That's why I like it better more than the humongous fungus. Yeah, dude, eighty thousand. That eighty thousand. Is... Some people believe it to be a million years old. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So there's evidence that it might be much much older yeah. than our more conservative estimates. So it is. Any way you slice it, it is at least as uh, nearly as old or older than modern humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, like our species. The last they think the last time it seeded was ten thousand years ago with the last ice age. Oh, so it seeded is in like so it basically flowered or flowered oh, and seeded. mated sexually yeah. with another yeah. uh, uh, individual of its species. Western Western quaking aspens don't actually don't actually flower or seed anymore. Okay, like they, ones in hum- more humid parts of the states, like in Eastern America, they'll flower and seed and spread sexually, but ones in the east, ones in the west, rather, they just don't anymore. Okay, because it's always it's more arid. 
Oh, it just it's sexual reproduction is probably just really hard out here. They yeah. probably had a hard time colonizing this area or they colonized it when it was more easier to colonize and then it started to get worse and they're yeah. like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa we need uh, to yeah. if we're going to survive. We need to do something different." It's always interesting to me when species that have come from a sexually reproductive history then convert to an asexual lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's weird. It is weird. It sometimes but, it seems like it shouldn't work, but it, it clearly does. Pando's doing just fine. Uh, no, it's not. Oh my it's goodness! But that's be, probably our fault, right? It's thought to be dying. Uh, probably our fault due to like forest suppression, grazing, and animal like wild animal. We grazing might not as know well. the exact circumstances um, that make Pando healthy. Yeah, yeah, and like climate change. Yeah. Um, all that stuff. So it's actually thought to be dying, and oh, they man. have like some parts of it sectioned off. Uh, yeah, like honestly, I would I would probably like, like try to, to transplant try to parts of it into to like study a how to do it and stuff. Yeah, I, if it, even if you keep only a small part of Pando alive in a massive greenhouse, it's worth it. Like yeah, to study for future generations, just to have an organism that's been around that long, like it it's would insane. be a shame if under our stewardship. It, it then left our yeah. planet. Like, that would just be a shame on it's us. It's interesting, because growing up right near Pando, I didn't even know what it actually what was. What it really was. Okay. Until, oh, like, interesting. Until, like, maybe I was a high school senior. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much all I got on largest organisms. That's some that's some megafauna. Not only yeah. that, we 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 covered like animals, fungus, and plants. Like yeah. those are, I mean, certainly there are some bacterial colonies that get pretty large. But yeah, <clears> in terms of and yeah. undersea grasses and stuff like that. Oh, okay, that are considered and a single we organism. We didn't talk about the Colossus squid or oh, things yeah, that's like true. that. Or yeah. Other mag- yeah, but I feel like, yeah, this is a pretty good uh, wide range of the different types of megafauna that our, our planet has. Or, yeah. I guess, uh, I just kind of megafauna like the... and what, what is it? It's, uh, what is the plant opposite of fauna? Uh, flora, flora, yeah. Megaflora. So megafauna yeah. and megaflora is what we yep. covered today, and I think fungus is fauna and not flora, huh? Because they have more in common with us than they have in common with plants. Okay, like they have like um, uh, what you, <clears throat> what most people would consider animal proteins, um, make up a integral part of the structure of most fungi. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, that's it for this episode. Duxplanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet intro licks by Jonathan Cunningham. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, John. I want to thank uh, Cortosaurus for his uh, review on iTunes. Thanks, Cortosaurus. Yeah. Uh, also, that's a cool name. Yeah. I actually think I know who it is, and he's actually pretty cool. Oh. Um, if I don't you, know who it is, but I'm going to take Dexter's word for it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to support this show... Uh, go to patreon.com slash Dexplanations. Likely, I got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or you want to clarify something we went over or just tell me a story, hit me up at Dexplanationspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at Dexplanations or comment on the Instagram. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. We pretty much only grow with word of mouth, so please tell someone to subscribe. Oh, and as for you... I like your teeth. They complement the shape of your mouth. (laughs) Bye now. All right, let's get out of here. It's fucking hot.